0: Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and today we are talking about the 10 behaviors that destroy relationships. we're also going to be talking a lot about what can you do about it. And so if you followed me for a while or if this is your first time on my podcast, We talk a lot about toxic relationships, but we also talk a lot about not just recognizing them. And one of the things I say all the time is I don't allow for people to just point the finger at the narcissist or the toxic person, but we also have to begin to understand ourselves and begin to look at our own behavior because oftentimes we may have behaviors that actually begin to deteriorate deteriorate relationships but we also have behaviors ourselves that even if we do, quote unquote, find the right person, and that's common these days that people say, I just need to find the right man. I need to find the right person. I need to find the right woman, not realizing that we may have behaviors ourselves that are unhealthy, that are damaging towards relationships. So thank you very much for tuning in. And don't forget that we, we post and we I put out this podcast every Monday and every Friday. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. You know, please, if you have listened to this for a while, we love your reviews. So make sure I do read the reviews here live on the podcast. And don't forget that you can also listen to the podcast live and you can actually participate whenever I have a guest on YouTube. You can uh, chime in. You can interact with us every Wednesday evening. Uh, nine pm central so with all that being said, let's get into today's podcast and let's get into today's episode uh, so behaviors that destroy relationships we have to understand that there are certain behaviors that just flat out just cause relationships to fall apart and it's very common for people to point fingers and everyone wants to assume that that it's always the other person but the reality of it is that when we're talking about toxic relationships that it is not a binary situation that it is, Uh, That we have to understand that we often have a role in the relationship. And it's common for when people say things like that, that people immediately start saying things like victim shaming, victim blaming, and we're not victim blaming or shaming anyone today. We have to understand that what victim blaming and victim shaming is, is that when we accuse the person who is the victim for the abuse in the relationship, that's not what we're doing here. We're actually just talking about behavior and one one of the things that we have to understand is that we have to understand that we all every single one of us myself included all have our own red flags period because there's no such thing as a perfect person now that, that doesn't mean that if you're in a in an unhealthy relationship that you need to stay in that relationship but we do need to understand that once we do remove ourselves that we do have to begin to unpack and unwind a lot of the unhealthy behaviors that we have are we ever going to be perfect no but we do need to be self-aware of the behaviors that we are bringing into relationships and so we have to understand that uh, relationships are complicated they are very complicated they they are uh, and and a lot of times if we don't if we're not aware of our own behavior we can cause our relationship to become very fragile Small mistakes oftentimes can destroy relationships over, a long period of time, and a lot of, a lot of times people can relate to that. Uh, oftentimes we, re, we have to realize that that relationships, even ones that aren't quote unquote toxic and abusive and unhealthy, can deteriorate over time if we're not aware of our own behavior or behavior that's actually happening in the relationship. This is the reason why we have to understand that uh, that uh, for those of you who are in a healthy relationship, it's work to maintain that relationship. work on both ends. And I actually hate when people say relationships are work. One of the things I'd say is I, I tweak that a little bit. Relationships are responsibility. A lot of people want to be in a relationship. They want to be with that healthy partner. People have this image that we want to be with our quote unquote soulmate. Why do we, why do we say that? Why do we do that? Because we want things to be easy, but the reality of it is, is that that is not accurate it's an unrealistic expectation. And the real the reality of being in a relationship is that it is a lot like having a pet. Everyone wants that cute, cuddly little puppy, that cute, cuddly little kitten until that puppy or that kitten starts to take a shit. Then all of a sudden we realize that there's a responsibility behind it, that we have to clean up a mess, that we have to get up at five in the morning to make sure that that pet is taken care of to make sure that they get out on time, to make sure that they're fed. If we go on vacation, there's a lot of responsibility behind it. And it's the same thing with relationships. And quite often, people oftentimes want to first point the finger at other people. Well, you need to do this and you need to do that and and hand that responsibility over to other people, not realizing that we have responsibility within the relationship ourselves. And when we begin to take and own our own responsibility of our own bad behavior, quite often, you start to see the changes necessary within the relationship. I always compare relationships with to a baby mobile, the little thing that hangs and dangles over a baby's crib. When you start to pull and when you start to affect the one toy, it starts to have an impact on all the other toys on that baby mobile. Well, the fastest way to affect the relationship and to make changes in, in the correction in the relationship is not to try to push The other person, not to try to force them to therapy, but to actually begin to reflect on our own bad behavior. So number one of the things that destroy relationships is when you begin to stonewall your partner. This is one of the things that when I talk about stonewalling, when I talk about the silent treatment, this is one of the things that I get probably the most pushback from. And so I want to be very clear about something when it comes to stonewalling and when it comes to the silent treatment. I've said before, and that Narcissists do the silent treatments, narcissists stonewall. And if you have followed my work or if you follow the work of other people, any, anything related to narcissism, you'll know that that's something that's a common tactic. I oftentimes say that it's their favorite weapon that they use. However, it's not just narcissists who use stonewalling techniques in silent treatment. A lot of people do. And one of the things that we have to understand about it is that it is oftentimes comes from, let's, let's throw out narcissism. Uh, Let's throw that out the window for a second. Let's just talk about a, uh, uh, a relatively healthy person that might be using these types of techniques. You might hear people say things, or maybe you're sitting back listening to this, and you say that I give people a silent treatment because I don't want to say something that I don't mean. Well, guess what? You have to participate in the relationship. You need to tell your partner that. We have to be proactive about our communication. If we feel like we need timeouts, if we feel like we need to step away from a conversation to be able to, so then we don't say things that we don't mean to make things make matters worse, we actually need to tell that to our partner. But we also have to understand that when you stonewall your partner, right? And you're avoiding painful emotional subjects, you're not actually avoiding it. You're actually just delaying it. You're actually just delaying the inevitable. And so people who think that you're avoiding a conflict or avoiding an argument, you're really just delaying it. And when you delay it, the problem is that resentment begins to build up for yourself, begins to build up for the other person, and oftentimes it makes matters worse. Your partner begins to feel ostracized. Your partner begins to feel um like uh, like they have to hold back and you see this type of dynamic where you have one stonewalling partner when uh, not just in narcissistic relationships but also in relationships where you may have an avoidant partner and you also may have anxious partner where you have more of what's called an anxious avoidant trap so yes is it okay to take a step away from the from the conversation is it okay for you to take a break from the conversation absolutely but it is not okay to just go silent, to just, to just stonewall your partner uh, and to avoid the difficult conversations. All we're doing is actually delaying the inevitable. So number two is that you are distracted. And this is something that's very common these days. There are so many ways to get distracted. One of the common features, I don't do couples anymore, but when I did do couples therapy, I can't tell you how many different times that someone would come to me and they would talk about how when they are spending quality time with their loved one, that that person is not paying attention They're constantly on their phone. And, and it won't take you long when you're on some sort of social media and you're looking for red flags on in dating is that they'll talk about people who are constantly on their phone that can't pull away. The problem is that a lot of people can't pull away. A lot of people are addicted to their phones, not just for the social media aspect of it, but in this age period, in this era that we're living in, people have 24-7 access to people. So you have your kids texting you, you have your family texting you, and, and oftentimes, especially if you struggle with codependency in, in you, uh, or people-pleasing, and you, have an over, you, you are overly concerned with the way that other people think, you oftentimes think that you need to respond to people right away. But we have to remember how is this impacting my partner who is in the same room or who is right there with us watching a movie or whatever it is that we're doing. And quite often what we're actually not doing is that we're not being mindful and we're not actually being present and we're being very rude. And so this is the reason why we have to be very aware of our possible codependent or people-pleasing traits and actually begin to practice a lot of mindfulness and be very present with the person and with the situation that, we, that we're actually in. Trust me, whoever's texting you can wait. I've talked about this on, on other episodes and other situations and other videos where people will say, yeah, but then they're gonna get mad the person. Well, let's talk about the person who you're right there with that's in the same room, aren't they gonna get upset too? We can't please everybody. We have to begin to start drawing lines and setting boundaries, right? But the person can wait. And the reason why we know that people can wait is that the technology that we have, we didn't always have it. And guess what people had to do? They had to wait. You know, you can set different responses on your phone. Hey, I'll be available in 30 minutes or an hour. Uh, to To make sure that that person has a point of contact and that sort of thing, or a a reference of when you're going to be able to circle back to them. But we have to understand that we have to, if we want to have a healthy relationship, it is important for us to limit our distractions. Now, oftentimes, when I talk about things like this, people oftentimes think that I'm only talking about our romantic partners. When I'm talking about most oftentimes, when I'm talking about relationships, especially when we're talking about distractions. We are. I'm talking about distractions. Period. I'm talking about relationships. Period. Can't tell you how many times I talk to people and we're talking about co-parenting or parenting, and this is an issue with our children. Are you really at their game or is your mind somewhere else? Is your mind on TikTok? Is your mind on social media when and you're not actually present? Especially for those of you who are co-parenting with. Uh, someone who's toxic or narcissistic. Oftentimes I tell people, I challenge people to have a deeper, more rich relationship with your child. And oftentimes this this is the problem in the relationship is that people are oftentimes too distracted. And when we enter in levels of empathy, think about how that partner, think about how that person, think about how your child feels. That when you are spending time with them at the dinner table, when you're at their game, or when you're saying that you love them and you're spending quality one, what should be quality one-on-one time with them, but you're on your phone, especially if you have young children, they're not gonna be young forever. And the problem is, is that when we don't develop that deep, rich bonding relationship, there's the possibility of having problems down the road, regardless if we're talking about our children, romantic partners, or whatever type of relationship that we're in. Number three, and This is a big one. This one gets a little bit touchy for, for some people Is that you get defensive. And oftentimes when I'm talking to someone who struggles with either codependency or an anxious attachment style, it's very common for someone with those type of attachment styles to partner with someone who has an avoidant attachment style. And even if that avoidant is self-aware, we have to understand that that is a deficit and that is a struggle for them. So let's talk about it from the avoidance perspective for a second. They, at some point in time, either in a past relationship or in childhood, were hurt when they opened up to people. And oftentimes, I can't tell you how many you, again, going back to social media, you will, it doesn't take long before you scroll and someone says, I want someone who is honest and I want someone who is open. Well, if we're, if we want someone who's honest and if we want someone who's open, we have to realize that we have to create the atmosphere that allows for that person to feel comfortable doing those things. People want someone who's honest and open until that person is honest and open about something that you don't like. Then all of a sudden we get defensive. Then what happens? When we roll that tape forward, you get defensive, you position yourself as that you are the person who was correct in the situation, not providing the platform and not providing the situation or the atmosphere for that person to feel comfortable, to allow for vulnerability. So guess what happens? That person closes right back up. Then we ask ourselves and then we wonder why that person isn't open. And we, we ask questions like, how do I get my partner to open up? That's one of the most common questions I get is how do I get my partner to open up? And the first thing that I ask is how how do you react whenever they tell you something that you don't necessarily like to hear? We have to understand that relationships require vulnerability. And if we want honesty and openness from from our potential partner, it means that we're gonna have to allow and create the environment for them to feel comfortable opening up That means that we need to do a much better job of listening because when we're defensive, we have to understand that defensiveness can be destructive into any relationship because now you're causing that person to close up, oftentimes without even knowing it. You you might realize that they're closing up, but you don't even understand why, because we're not aware of our own behavior through that situation. Next one I want to talk about is that you criticize often. Criticism is one of, if you follow um, Dr. John Gottman's work, it's one of what they call the four horsemen of um, of what causes uh, divorces. If you are with someone who's highly critical, and, and it doesn't take long. If you have, if you know someone, or if you've experienced someone who has, uh, or if you've experienced divorce yourself was likely a highly critical relationship where one or both people were criti- critical of each other. And this is another situation where you can see on social media where people are criticizing their partner, sometimes without their knowledge. And when I see that, I just, I tell myself, it's just a matter of time. And this is something that happens. Yes, it happens with someone who might be narcissistic or toxic, but guess what it happens with other people as well. You may not realize that you do it because you were criticized yourself growing up or you're criticized in previous relationships, or both. How often do you criticize your partner? You have to understand that relationships and healthy demeanors grow with praise, not with criticism. And oftentimes when I challenge people on this, especially if I create a video about criticism, or uh, the first thing that people do is they do what we just talked about, defensiveness. Well, my husband never does this, and he doesn't even pick up his own underwear. And they immediately get defensive and they start criticizing Uh, immediately. It is much better, much more beneficial for you to actually praise. I tell people, again, I don't do couples anymore, but when I did, one of the things I I would teach is I would say, catch your partner doing something well. Oftentimes we're focused and we criticize because we're focused in on our own pain. Catch them doing something well and actually praise them for doing something well. You're going to notice very quickly, very quickly that when you start to praise them for the things that they're doing right, it is going to initiate and that they're going to want to do other things correctly and properly and meet your needs because it feels good. They associate it with feeling good. The, when you criticize, they're going to want to, they're going to, want to run. Right? There's only three things that are going to happen if you criticize your partner. They are going to fight the criticism. They're going to fake So, they will do what you're asked, but they're not really going to want to do it, or they're going to half ass do it, or they're going to run. There's only three, those are the only three things that are going to happen from criticism fight, fake, or flee. Criticism drives a wedge in your relationship. Not only is it frustrating for your partner, right, for them to experience excessive criticism, but it also creates a negative dynamic within. uh, your relationship, but also within yourself. The problem with criticism is that you don't feel good about it either. You don't like the criticism either. It doesn't feel good for either partner, the person who's criticizing or the person who is being criticized. It doesn't feel good to either party. The Next one is that you idealize your partner. And oftentimes people who who struggle with this oftentimes struggle with lack of self-esteem and lack of self-worth within themselves and we put so therefore we put our partner on a pedestal one of the things that we don't understand about idealizing a partner is that it actually comes to uh, comes down to trust issues oftentimes that we don't trust ourselves and we don't trust other people and so we put someone on a a pedestal and we have these unrealistic expectations And we want them to be perfect all the time. And that puts a lot of pressure, unnecessary pressure on our partner. Why do we want them to be perfect all the time? Because when, if they lack perfection, then all of a sudden we feel like that means that they possibly could leave or there could be something wrong with them. And so then therefore that that there there could be a potential impending doom. And so if we're putting a a partner on a pedestal, that means that we don't have to do work ourselves. This is a lot of the reason why You hear me say I don't allow for people to point fingers at just at the narcissist again that the abuse and the control uh, is unacceptable, but the other reason to that is because some people actually aren't with narcissists. They're not a lot of times people who struggle with codependencies find people who they expect perfection from and they put them on a pedestal because they lack self esteem and they lack self worth themselves. And oftentimes we want perfection from other people because that means that I don't have to work on myself. And oftentimes we think and we, we project this image onto them because if we think that if we, if I can be with this image of this, that I've constructed in my mind of this perfect person, then that provides value for me. But the problem is, is that you are setting yourself and your partner up for failure big time because the reality of it is, is that there's no such thing as perf- perfect. And even if that person is a good, healthy person, the reality of it is, is that they are going to make a mistake, period. And what happens again, because of the pressure that you're applying to them and because you are not, and, and when they do make a mistake, and when I say mistake it, I'm not saying that they're gonna cheat or do anything uh, devastatingly wrong, For someone who's putting someone on a pedestal that mistake that they make might be them being frustrated that mistake might be uh, that they just have a struggle of their themselves they lost a job or they don't really care for their job or they want to leave their job and find another job or they're just kind of they're just kind of down for a few weeks but because now all of a sudden we see a kink in their armor so to speak and we don't have, and we don't, we're not even able to manage our own emotions and and stabilize ourselves, we now feel the pressure. And so we need to understand that this is your partner. And like we talked about before, that there's responsibility that that comes with that, right? We are all on an even playing field. And so it's important for us to have a much more realistic expectation of who your partner is, understanding that they are going to have Their flaws. One of the things I work on with people is that we have to exchange these unrealistic expectations for acceptance. We need to accept people for who they are. Next one is that you ignore your past. We all have a past, all of us. And it's time, at some point in time, we have to stop ignoring it. So this is kind of the reverse of uh, of idealizing your partner. You are ignoring your past, acting as if you don't have unhealed trauma, that you don't have childhood wounds. And so you act and you just try to pretend and, and, uh, and, and this again, doesn't make you narcissistic, but even though narcissists do this, you just act like nothing's wrong ever. But the problem is that you have a past and things may have, uh, may have happened to you. And if we don't take responsibility for our healing, we're going to project and we're going to end up bleeding on people who did not cut us ignoring your troubled past could destroy your relationship oftentimes we do this because we don't think that our partner is going to be accepting of our past the reality of it is is that if they're really truly loving not only will they accept it but they're likely going to be there for us and support us through that healing process and that's something that we're going to be looking for and oftentimes people just they think that they have they put this this immense amount of pressure on themselves, thinking that they have to be perfect to sustain a relationship. And oftentimes you see this from people who struggle with codependency. Next one is a big one: is that you mislead your partner. Right? Oftentimes, especially people who struggle with codependency and uh, and and people pleasing. We we tell our partner, and we don't even recognize. I understand. So every time I say this, people say, "Well, people pleasing is a trauma response. is a fond trauma response." I get it. It is. A, it is a trauma response. I understand that. But we have to understand, and we have to realize that when we are when we stay stuck in a certain trauma response. That the behavior that comes from that is unhealthy you you may not be in an unhealthy relationship anymore yes you may have at one point in time needed to tell people what they wanted to hear to keep yourself safe that's not true anymore you're now in a healthy relationship and so when we begin to mislead our partner and tell them things that we think and we just assume that they want to hear right we're with a healthy partner oftentimes they notice this they feel this and what are we doing we're actually Uh, It's not, is it malicious intent? intent? But no, but think about it. What is it that we're doing if we, instead of being authentic, we're just telling people what they want to hear? It's manipulation. Right? Have you ever told your partner something that you didn't mean? A lot of people who are listening to this who struggle with people pleasing or codependency may have dated someone that they didn't like. You might be with someone right now that you didn't like. I've talked to people that uh, that they didn't like someone from the beginning ended up getting married having children staying with that partner for years saying all the right things going through the emotions but not truly being authentic with really how they actually felt about the actual relationship they just did it because they thought that's what they were supposed to do or they're trying to please their mom they're trying to please their dad they're trying to please their church and so they just kept going with them the the going with the motions trying and miss not not only that, but misleading your partner all at the same time. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's break that down for a second. Let's flip roles. Imagine you're in this situation that you're with someone who you, quote unquote, think loves you. They're telling you all the right things, doing all the right things, right? They never argue with you or whatever. They, they just, uh, they're just telling you what you want to hear each and every single time. What we have to understand is that those type of situations, resentment builds up over time because you don't actually enjoy the relationship and you're not actually benefiting from the things that that person, the qualities that that person has to offer. So what happens? Eventually what happens is that that person eventually blows up in resentment and says something, I never wanted to be with you to begin with. Imagine wasting 10 years of your life, two decades of your life. With someone who says, I never wanted to be with you in, from the beginning. That I always, I, 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 the only reason why I did this was because of the church where I, the only reason why I did this was because I was pressured by my mother or my father. We can now begin to see how people pleasing and how the fond response, if we don't begin to heal, can have can be very damaging in relationships. If we don't become very self-aware of our own behavior, it's unhealthy. Right? We have to understand that lies and manipulation ruin most of some of the most important things that you and your partner have built together. Trust. Right, Once they start to realize that you are just misleading them and that you are just telling them the things that they want to hear, how are they supposed to trust you from that point? So we have to understand that, yes, we understand why people... Might engage in people pleasing behavior because of the past, but if that's something that you're still currently doing, something that you're going to want to take a look at. Next one is that we create competition in a healthy relationship. You try to one up your partner. You don't look at your partner as a partner. Look at them as competition. I can't tell you how many times I see this, where a partner is uh, gets their, let's just say they get their master's degree or gets a new job and the focus is on them for a little bit. And then that partner begins to feel left out. And oftentimes this comes from a place of insecurity that we think that our partner is growing and they're going to end up leaving us. And so then all of a sudden we try to try to challenge this, regardless for this is if we do this consciously or subconsciously, we try to challenge it. And we try to uh, try to compete with our partner. We try to try to overcompensate to try to meet some sort of imaginary standard that we've made up in our mind. We try to one up them right? Healthy partners don't keep score, right? We have to understand that that person who might be excelling as as they continue to grow as an individual, it only benefits the relationship, period. So we have to begin to look at our partner uh, as a person that as they begin to grow as an individual, that this benefits you as an individual, but yes, it's okay to grow as your own person as well as an individual, but we don't need to make it competitive. Especially with someone that we're talking to on a regular basis. The next one is that we shame our partner. And oftentimes this goes hand in hand with the, the competition. When we are the ones who might be doing well, all of a sudden we begin to shame that, well, you, you can't even finish school, you can't even do this. And we begin to point out and we begin to criticize all of their deficits. Maybe you pick on your partner for their weight or for things that they have or have not accomplished. Oftentimes couples play and they tease tease each other in private, but oftentimes we make fun of, when you make fun of your partner in public, it can be very damaging to the relationship. And we, we've all experienced that at some point in time. But we have to be aware of our own behavior when we're doing this to our partner. That when we're shame, shaming them, when we're putting them down, when we're the ones that are uh, dragging them and making them feel bad about themselves, ultimately, the reason why people do this is because they lack security in themselves. And so they feel this need to put others down to make themselves feel better. And the last one, so number 10, Goes hand in hand with a lot of other things that we talked about, but you expect too much. Oftentimes you get angry at your partner, especially when they don't read your mind. Like I talked about before, we have to engage and we have to actually participate in the relationship. And so oftentimes with this expectation that we have from other people, we just expect for people to just know. They should just know. They should just know how I feel about this. And you hear this again. I know I keep going back on social media, but you hear the war of the sexes all over social media. And you hear this so often. They should just know. They should. Uh, he's a guy. He should just know. He should just know what you mean. He, she should just know what, what, what to do. No, they shouldn't just know. They're not mind readers. Nobody is. And as much as we would like for people to know, and as much as it would make things easier, like we talked about in the opening, relationships are a responsibility. We are assuming that this person knows, because we, what happens through that process is that we think that if they just know, if they're able to just do things, and able to just cater to our needs automatically, that that means that they love us. And so therefore, guess what happens? And this is the reason why these, are, these expectations are too high. When they don't, and when they can't, and when they won't read our mind, and they don't fulfill those needs that and, and aren't able to mind read and aren't able to guess properly, which we're setting them up for failure because literally nobody can do that. Guess what happens? When they don't meet your needs and when they don't meet expectations, you internalize that as if that person does not love you. So it comes down to black or white thinking that if they're able to do this automatically, then they love me. And if they're not, then they don't. And what we're also doing is we're, we're also discounting our own responsibility of communicating appropriately in the relationship. We have to be adults. You have to say the words. We cannot expect for people to just read our minds and to put the relationship automation mode. You have to say the words. So thank you guys very much for joining this episode of the Matt Pfeiffer experience. So I will be on next week. It was a pleasure going through the 10 things that might be destroying your relationship. And if this hits right with you, um, don't, don't forget to leave a review. We love reviews. I read reviews, but also uh, don't feel that you are a bad person, but it just means that we all have a tweak that we, we might need to tweak and correct. We all have behaviors, myself included. So thank you guys very much. And I will see you guys in the next episode. You guys have a good one.